Welcome to the Finance and Investments Student Association's FISA Fireside Chats with Matthew and Oliver. All right, all right. Welcome, everyone, to our uh, new podcast episode. We're super happy to have Maddie Sedgwick with us today, a 2019 grad from Concordia, currently works in uh, UX design at iManage, previously worked in finance at a couple internships as well. So we're super happy to have you here, uh, Maddie, today. Hey, guys. Super happy to be here. Awesome. So why don't we start with a, a classic question? Could you just walk us through your, your time at school, maybe talk to you, us about a bit more about yourself and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get going from there. Yeah, for sure. So I was born and raised in Toronto and I went to Concordia. Originally, I had kind of didn't know what I wanted to do within the business realm, just knew I wanted to do something in business. Um, originally, I was actually officially majoring in marketing, um, but then I did kind of the mandatory economic classes and math classes, and I really liked those. And I kind of saw an opportunity there because I figured like a lot of people hate those classes. They weren't very good at them. And there was also not a lot of females who were really interested in the whole finance area. And so kind of saw that as an opportunity to get into, you know, a field that there, I guess was, you know, some space for me. in. so I switched my major to finance and then, yeah, I kind of did, you know, five years at Concordia. I was in, um, Kenneth Woods for two of those years. And I was in co-op for a little bit. Like you said, I had a couple internships, um, in finance and yeah, then graduated in 2019. Great. Thank you for that. And you know, one thing about but you when we were looking at at different guests is that we thought you had such an interesting career path. So I mean, I'll guess I'll guess I'll kick it off with the beginning of that career path with your first internship. So I know you did your first internship in venture capital in Montreal, but maybe before touching on what that internship entailed, you you can uh, you can elaborate a little bit on how you landed that internship because one thing that a lot of students struggle is getting their foot in the door especially when they don't have any real prior work, relevant work experience. Yeah. So, so how did, how did that work out for you getting, getting your foot in the door right away in finance in a, like in a good internship yeah. in the industry? Yeah, it was hard. I think, you know, you always see these jobs and even if it's an internship, they always want you to have X amount of years experience, which isn't really realistic, but I got that through co-op. Um, I would say co-op wasn't, you know, it wasn't necessary. You could definitely get an internship not being in co-op. Um, but I think one thing that really helped me and feedback that I got when I was searching for my first internship was that I put a lot of care and detail into my resume and cover letter. Like it sounds simple enough, but the amount of comments I got from, you know, people who were interviewing me or, you know, different hiring managers, they were really saying, okay, you're one of the only people we noticed who use the correct, um, I don't know, title of on your, on your cover letter of like, dear, whoever, like CEO and founder, just little things like that, that don't seem that impactful, but just putting in that extra care, I think helped me at least to land the interviews. And then in terms of when I had those interviews, just being able to show, you know, that I was passionate and hardworking despite not having work experience. I think just getting that across really helps because ultimately, you know, for your first internship, people are going to kind of have to take a little bit of a chance on you. So you can do everything you can to show them that 
this is a, a good chance and it's a good risk they're taking to hire you, then it should be a lot um, easier, hopefully for you. I think that's that's an awesome story. And I'm curious to hear, did you uh, do anything in particular at school in terms of extracurriculars before or prior to landing your first internship, maybe case competition or student associations? Yeah, you know, I wasn't in any of the student associations or case competitions. I did kind of like, I guess more random things here and there. I was in residence, so I did like res council and, you know, was one of the leaders of that. Um, there was this arts magazine and I made the whole budget for that. Like I was their finance person. Um, there was kind of random, I guess, like different events, like case competitions that I just volunteered for um, because yeah, I guess I had only had one year of university experience at that point and I, I didn't jump right into everything. So just little things here and there. And yeah, I think that helped. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And obviously this is, this is a bit of a touchy subject, but we're, we're too male. We're in a male dominated industry. And yes. for, even for us, it was super hard landing our first internship. So yes. is there any tricks, tips that you could give to the female students that are trying and they're might be kind of scared to uh to lend their first internship yeah i think you know what i to me it came down to confidence and i'm sure this is the same with guys as well but i think a big thing for me in being female was that i didn't see a lot of people who looked like me i guess in sort of these more investment-based roles and so i didn't even think that was an option um, and actually at my first internship, I had a manager who also graduated from Concordia and he was just really encouraging of me to, you know, apply for other sort of investment internships and apply for the Kenneth Woods program and, you know, to get out there and really, I don't know, get that like intense finance experience. And I don't know, just having him believe in me and tell me like, you can do it. It, it made a huge difference. And once my mentality changed where it was like, okay, it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, what my gender is, I am capable of doing this. I kind of was able to go full force and put myself into it. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think for, for anybody to that, just having the right people yeah. around you and not having people that will push you down with people that, that support you is something that you, I've noticed as well. It's so, so important in terms of, you know, remaining composed, keeping your confidence and, you know, not, not letting anything get to your head. So yeah, I think that those are some really great points. So I'd love to yeah. maybe go back to uh, your internships. I noticed all your internships were on the buy side, but of course in, in very different, different positions for all three. So maybe you can touch really quickly on, uh, on maybe the, the strengths of each, each internship uh, and like what your, what your roles entail. So starting yeah, with that, for like sure. real estate and then uh, your time at, at Yeah. So like I said, or you guys said, my first internship was in venture capital and then my second was at PSP in real estate investments. And my third was at um, CPP investments in thematic investing. And yeah, like you said, all of those are on the buy side. Um, I think that to me was something that I always knew I was interested in. Um, I'm not really a salesy type of person. I don't enjoy I'm trying to say this in a in a politically correct way. I don't enjoy like bullshitting people 
on things that I don't believe in um, just to, I guess, profit from it. Um, and I would, I don't know, I kind of just saw that the buy side was a little bit more aligned with that. And so I guess right from the beginning, it was always just something that I knew, okay, this is where I'm going. And yeah, first internship, honestly, like it was a little bit more, it, like it was a little bit less finance-based, even though it was venture capital, it was a lot of like sort of housekeeping, some admin work. To be completely honest, I had no idea how to even use Excel before I did that internship. And so luckily people there helped train me. Like I was just, you know, learning the basics, the very, very basics. And then, yeah, that second internship um, was real estate investing. And I noticed from that, that I loved working um, at pension plans. I think a few reasons for that. Um, number one, you know, it's sort of more long-term investing, um, which was kind of appealing to me. And then um, just, I guess the, I guess more so just like the culture of it. And uh, um, yeah, I don't know. And so that's what I did um, there. And then my third internship, I wanted to move to Toronto again at a pension plan because I really enjoyed my experience at PSP. And then just stayed on the buy side and thematic where I got a little bit more in the weeds um, and really made, you know, legit investment recommendations compared to my previous internships. Yeah, I think those are those are all great, uh, great internships. And I think one lesson for the, the students, it's important to, to just apply to internships as well. Right. I, I assume there was a lot of criteria on the job posting that you didn't really yeah. have and I think you said to believe in yourself is super important. So just a reminder to to everyone to just apply and sort of take a risk. And I kind of want to hear hear more on your your CPP internship. And mm -hmm. was it important for you to kind of position yourself in an internship that would allow you to go full time after? Is that something you you considered? Yeah. And maybe if you could touch on your your transition to to full time as well, it would be uh, it would be great. Yeah, for sure. That was. I think a huge sort of selling point for me on working at CPP for my internship. Um, to be honest with you, I think it's a lot easier to get a full-time job out of an internship than it is to graduate and then look for a full-time job. That's definitely doable. And I know a lot of people who have had success with that, but if there is an opportunity to just, you know, get that third internship, I kind of feel like that's the way to go. Um, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think that, you know, when you're just applying to a full-time job, you're having to take a really big risk on you. And oftentimes you'll have to show and prove a lot more of all the skills you have, all the experience you have in order to get them to be willing to hire you. Whereas for an internship, it's not that big of a risk. It's just four months. And if you don't do well, okay, they just won't hire you back. But if you do do well, then you'll get the position for a full time. And yeah, you can kind of just come in with a little bit less perfection and still get that opportunity to be hired um, for that internship. So yeah, I, I think that helped <laughs> for me a lot. Yeah, that's something that obviously a lot of people try to do in their penultimate internship to try to try to land it somewhere where they yeah. can see working full time. And I think a lot of people have had success with that. 
And so maybe to, to jump on your, your time, uh, what, while you were full-time at CBP, could you talk a little bit about uh, your different rotations, what you, what you worked, yeah. working uh, while, while you were there? Yeah, so I did the Fundamental Investments Rotational Program, which is a two-year program where you're in three groups, eight months each. Um, my first rotation was in the secondaries team. So it's a little bit, I guess, lesser known of sort of a field in finance, but it's essentially a mix between private equity, um, direct investing and funds investing. Um, and so I did that for um, eight months, actually it turned into 10 months because of the pandemic, but I did that and kind of realized uh, private markets, not so much my thing. Um, I think a lot of it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about the whole like bullshitting thing. I find it was a lot more focused on relationships um, rather than the actual fundamentals of what we were investing in. And some people love that. I didn't particularly. Um, so my next rotation was in relationship investing um, which, you know, you would think is also very focused on relationships and it was, but it was more, I guess, public market-based. It would just be sort of large capital investments in public companies. Um, and that was interesting because I was in the healthcare, um, team of that, and this was kind of peak of COVID. So it was very, I guess, timely and definitely learned a lot about the healthcare sector. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, wasn't a huge fan of that group um, because it was, it was quite intense and it was run um, primarily all by like former investment bankers. And so the culture was very much that of banking, which again, don't love. Um, and so then my third rotation, which is the one that I definitely was the happiest in was just active fundamental equities, which is just your bread and butter, uh, public market investing. And I was also in healthcare for that, um, which again, very interesting during COVID times. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like that sort of more, I guess, bottoms up investing approach. Yeah, I think that's great. And Matthew and I can definitely relate because we both uh, worked at BCI this summer in their, their public markets mm. group. So I'm just curious to hear a bit more about your your day to day, because students go from uh, full time studying where your schedule is yeah. kind of what you want it to be to yeah. uh, to full time working. So I'm curious to hear about the different tasks that you are doing and maybe like if you could walk yeah. us through a, a normal day at CPP, uh, it would be awesome. Yeah, I think it, it really depends on the group, but maybe we'll just go with like my most recent rotation, which was yeah, yeah. the fundamental equities. Um, a lot of that would be, well, first of all, you wake up in the morning, you get on sort of like your morning stand-up call, connect with the team, see what you needed to do for the day. And then typically there would be a few expert calls each day. So that role was very um, research focused. So a lot of the work was, you know, talking to professionals, whether it's like management of a healthcare company, even like scientists, whatnot, talking to them. And my role in that would be to help uh, draft the questions for those calls. And then on those calls, just sometimes lead them, but most of the time, you know, <laughs> furiously type notes for those. 
And then afterwards, uh, we clean up the notes, summarize them, and then we'd all meet to discuss, okay, are there any key learnings that arise from this? Um, and then, you know, other portion of the day would just be more heads down research. So, you know, just any desktop research, whether it's checking the news, cap IQ, scientific reports, which <laughs> are kind of difficult for me as a non-healthcare person, but that would be a good portion of it. And then I would say the rest would be um, just modeling, whether it was, you know, working on a new model for a new investment or, you know, kind of updating just quarterly earnings for any of our holdings. Great. Thanks. That That's really helpful. And so now we want to jump sort of to another topic. And I think that's it's a topic that we're very curious about. And I think that many others will, will too. And it's one that you don't see very often. So you actually, so you, after two years in the industry, you, you packed it all up and decided to leave yep. finance altogether. So can you talk yeah. about a little bit about what drove that decision and uh, like what, what your new career path entailed for those who may not, may not be familiar with it. Yeah, totally. So to be honest, I, ever since I started working my full-time job, there was always something in the back of my head that was like, okay, I don't like love this. This isn't necessarily for me. Um, and I think there was a few reasons for that. I think it was a lot less um, creative. I didn't expect it to be creative, but I definitely have that side of me that really thrived in sort of like creative problem solving. Um, and then there was also a side of me that really thrived in sort of understanding like the psychology um, behind just why people make the decisions they do. And that's part of what intrigued me to public markets was just the psychology of the markets and you know, I loved sort of consumer basing sectors because it was all about, you know, people and what's driving their purchases. Um, but ultimately I didn't get enough of that as I had hoped. And so to be honest, I kind of after work would like start just Googling, Googling jobs with like the keywords of what I was interested in. And I kept coming across UX design and it's something where I'll be honest, like there was a few different elements. Of course, I'd have to take into consideration leaving my career. One of them being salary, you know, finance has great salaries and other positions, not as much. Um, and then another one would just be, I guess, like longevity of the career. Is it a good field to get into? And another thing that was more of a driving factor plus for me was work-life balance. Um, and so when I came across UX design that kind of like met everything I wanted it to, it had a good mix of like creativity, analytics, um, and sort of like people focus and decent salary, you know, it's, it's in tech, so you can still make those six figures and truly is like a nine to five job, which, you know, may sound lame, but I kind of was like found myself really desiring that after working like you know 70 80 hour weeks every week so yeah I decided to uh kind of take the jump and and go into that yeah I think that's that's super interesting and nine to five might sound boring but after doing a nine to seven it must feel uh a bit no, bad nine to nine to midnight or... honestly yeah. like <laughs> yeah. after that it was it was so bad but often like I'd be at my desk in finance the clock would turn 5 p.m. And every day at 5 p.m., I would say to myself, wow, you know, 
other people are just going home right now. People actually leave at this and, time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even like, oh, I want to go home and watch Netflix or something. A huge part of it was like, I have all these other interests. Like I have always loved theater. You know, I used to do a bunch of theater classes and I really wanted to do those, but I literally couldn't because I'd always be working. Or, okay, like maybe I want to try to start like a side hustle or kind of like my own little business. You can't do that when you're working 80 hours a week for somebody else. So it felt very limiting and yeah, like, you know, I don't know, work-life balance is important, even if it seems a lame thing to say in the field of finance. Yeah, you definitely don't want to put money at the the front of what you want to do. I think passion is, is definitely super important. And I think you're, you're highlighting, that, so, highlighting that a lot. So yeah. I'm just curious, could you maybe just explain what UX design is just for the, the people listening to us and I think you have to get a diploma yeah. to get a, a full-time job yeah. in that in that space. So if you could briefly touch on that, it, w- it would be helpful. Yeah, totally. Um, so the way that I kind of like to explain UX design, because it's not, it's not like the most intuitive thing. I think a lot of people mistake it for like graphic design or just making things like look pretty, which is just not at all what it is. Um, but picture you're building like an apartment building or a house. There's kind of three key parties that are involved in that. There's the architect, there's the construction worker, and there's the interior designer. And all those people come together and they can make a really beautiful house. And so if you think about it in terms of creating sort of like an app or you know a web product, whatever it is, there's also those three key parties. So you would have your developers who are like the construction workers, they actually put it together. And then you have your interior designers who are like your graphic designers, they make things look nice. And then you have your architect and that's the equivalent of a UX designer. So they essentially make the blueprints for the app and then hand those off to developers. So they follow those blueprints or instructions to actually build it. So it's a lot of like wireframing and kind of um, a lot of research, user research and kind of figuring out yeah, the best way to, I guess, build build an app. So for those who are interested in UX and sort of start as a in a similar background to us, would you would you recommend? Well, I think you would now. But breaking in was it was it difficult to to break in from the finance background? And you have you noticed you know any transferable skills? You know what? It was less difficult than I thought. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Number one, I think finance prepares you really well for just like being in the workplace and acting professionally and working hard and knowing how to network and interview and all of those things. And that of course is gonna help in any field that you're in. Um, But then I also think particularly my role in finance was very research focused. So I did a lot of research um, to kind of direct you know, where we should invest essentially. And in this role now, it's also very research focused. I'm still on a lot of calls, you know, taking those notes just like I did before and figuring out um, how we should build things and why. And that's all based in research. So that was definitely transferable for sure. I think that's awesome. And I think we want to be conscious of your time here, but if you could uh, talk about your, your new role at uh, iManage as a product designer, it'll be, uh, it would be great to hear and maybe t- the, the culture as well. I think you've talked to people mm. you work with is super important 
throughout the podcast. So uh, it would be awesome to hear. About yeah, that. totally. So yeah, I work at this um, sort of larger international company. Um, it's mainly like a document management system for all the big like banks, tech firms, whatnot. Um, but I particularly work on a legal tech product, which means I create software for different lawyers. Um, sounds boring, but it's actually like really complex and really interesting. And I think like, I think that's what I love about it. It is so, you have to get so in the weeds of the product, which is also what I love about investing, getting into the weeds of a company. Um, and yeah, just most of my time, I guess, is spent, you know, like I said, doing those interviews, like doing wireframes, prototyping, connecting with developers to try to just build new features and, you know, build this product and make it the best we can. And definitely the culture is awesome. I mean, it very much is like a nine to five. You don't think about work when you're done work. And, you know, we have like board game Fridays. It's a cool sort of like a loft office and it's very fun and everybody is just a lot more relaxed um, than I found in finance. I think tech is, you know, typically like that. Um, and I've just found it to be a really good fit for me and quite enjoyable. Uh, that sounds that sounds like like a ton of fun. And it's really nice to see you, you know, pursuing your your own interests and do it, what makes you happy at the end of the day, because that's what's so important. And so we know that like for us and for a lot of students that may look at your career path, they may, you know, look up to you and maybe want to pursue, you know, maybe a similar path starting out in finance and then pursuing their own interests. So for, for those students who like, who look up to you, what, what sort of advice would you give to them? Uh, and like, what, what would you do in their shoes as a, you know, second, third, first year university student? I think there's two things. I think number one, try everything, whether that's, you know, when you're in school, whether it's like different clubs, case comms, associations, like little just interests you have on your own, just try it all, do it all. Now's the time to kind of just see what you like. And that goes for internships too. Like, don't be afraid to, you know, have totally differing internships because it's a great opportunity to you know, see what type of thing you might want to do full time. So definitely just don't say no to any opportunity, just do it all. And then number two, which I think particularly in finance, people don't do that often. Maybe that's not giving people enough credit, but I think often people just look at what you should want to do and what's kind of like, you know, the prestigious path or the path that's, I don't know, the successful quote unquote path. And I think that the issue with that is that it may not be what's right for you and what you actually want to do. And I kind of noticed that a lot when asking people who, you know, let's say it's investment banking, let's say it's private equity, whatever it is, when you ask people like, why do you want to do this? What truly do you like about this? A lot of times people don't have a unique or even like a well thought out answer. So I would say just take the time to really think about yourself, how you're different than everybody around you because you are different and how that can kind of play out into your career. And then if you do kind of have this little inkling of like, you know what, like this thing, whatever it is, this thing could be really cool. That sounds really interesting. 
just kind of following your intuition with that rather than saying, you know, oh, people are going to judge me if I do that, or that's not what's expected of me. I can't do that. Like just really going for it, I guess. And I don't know, it can be scary. I was definitely scared to do that and was worried about what people would think. But at the end of the day, like it's your life, you're living it every day and you're not living for other people and their, I guess, impression of you. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Uh, Maddie, we just want to say a huge thank you for, for coming on the podcast. And I hope the students get a lot of perspective from this, uh, this call. It's important to, to follow your passion and, and stick with what you like. So I think that's, uh, that's awesome. And to all our students, I think keep getting good grades, keep working hard, follow your passion and network, network, network. I think that's, that's uh, the most important thing. So thank you so much, Maddie, and uh, good luck in, in your new, uh, new project and new passion. Thank you so much, you guys. Great talking to you. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you. All right.